Welcome to RevMD, a podcast created for healthcare professionals by healthcare professionals. We will share tips on medical billing and coding, as well as workflow optimization to help practices succeed, thrive, and grow revenue. This week on RevMD, we have our first physician guest. We are hoping to occasionally bring on guests that may help you in your private practice with either a revenue generating tip or product or service that you may find helpful for your practice. So allow me to introduce Dr. Sarah Davis, who is a family practice physician with over two decades of practice experience. She's also a founder of Safer Diagnostics, which stands for Symptoms of Anosmia for Early Recognition. And this is a product where she is going to share with us today a simple to use and very inexpensive card that can help you to detect anosmia in the primary care office. And it's actually a tool that she's had some good luck with reimbursement. And we'll talk a little bit about that with with certain cases um, and a good ROI for practices who do choose to use this in their office. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your practice, and what made you uh, and your product. So I'm Dr. Sarah Davis, and I'm a family medicine doctor in Dallas, Texas. And I've been doing a concierge practice for the last 20 years uh, that I just absolutely love, and, and that's been my passion. But during the pandemic, I kind of started up a whole nother concept. Um, and that was because, well, actually what happened was I noticed when my daughter got COVID in the summer of 2020 and the only symptom she had was pretty much losing her sense of smell. Um, she had a fever of about 100 for maybe a few hours and a little fatigue. And really that was it. But the most striking symptom she has had was this lack of sense of smell, which I thought was really fascinating because at that time, remember you'd go into a restaurant or something and they would take your temperature. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was kind of this like screeny thing where, you know, we were all washing our hands a lot, which is never a bad idea, but it was, you know, they kind of clean the countertops, put it, you know, check somebody's temperature and then say, come on in. And I thought, you know, if we're going to be doing some sort of screening, let's try to get, you know, do something that is effect that's a lot more effective, that we can find a lot more cases of COVID by doing it. And so I thought, well, you know, if we could somehow check people's sense of smell, I also wanted to do that in my practice was to check their sense of smell. Um, So I thought, well, that seems like an easy enough thing to do. But then I started thinking about, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Put a candle in front of their nose or, you know, and just kind of thinking about like, and how do I know what everybody's supposed to smell? And so I really just delved into the whole thing. I thought, well, you know, if we could invent just a disposable scratch and sniff card and be able to know, okay, just just a pass fail, um, which I knew wasn't going to find every case of COVID, but I just wanted this cheap, easy screening test. And so then I was mentioning it to another friend of mine and he said, that's a great idea. You need to pair it with a web-based app. Um, and that way you can, you can get more information and it's, you know, it'll, it'll just be, you know, a much more slick device. And so we did it. We, we built this thing called a safer card and safer stands for symptoms of anosmia for early recognition. Um, and then, then proceeded down the whole 
process of doing a lot of research to figure out, well, what are all the scents that everybody can normally identify? And Mm -hmm. what I was hoping I would find would be something really unique, like, okay, people with COVID can smell vanilla, but they can't smell lemon or something. I thought that would be really fantastic. But I I did not find that to be the case. Um, But what I really worked hard on was figuring out, okay, you know, 95% of the people when they sniff, you know, vanilla or lemon can identify that that's what that scent is. Um, And I found a lot of times with people with COVID or with anybody who's lost their sense of smell for various reasons, you know, they'll sniff something and they'll say, oh, well, I know, you know, I I can smell it. I just don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. But that's when you have kind of a diminished sense of smell um, is what'll happen is they can, they, yeah, they can kind of smell it, but they can't quite tell what it is. And so, um, so by doing that, we were able to really figure out that uh, actually a lot of people, even who don't even realize that they've lost their sense of smell, have at least a diminished sense of smell. And in fact, it, the a study that we did with um, UC San Diego, uh, we found that about in the people that failed our safer card and tested positive for COVID, most of those people rated their sense of smell as at least a seven or eight on a scale of one to 10, which I thought was really fascinating. Overestimation. Right. But, you know, it just goes to show as physicians, it's true. You know, we don't ask people, can you hear that? Or we we don't say, you know, can you hear? We check their hearing. You know, you don't say, can you see? You check their vision. I mean, we need objective. I mean, subjective is important as well, but you don't just take what they say, you you need to do objective testing to figure out if that's really intact or not. And something like sense of smell, especially, you know, you just, you're, you're just really not aware. You just, kind of, you know, you can get through your day without having all of these big smells and not really be aware of it. Um, so I found that's just being, that, that's been super fascinating to, you know, to kind of delve into the literature and really figure all that out. And so the are the cards. So the cards are produced here in the United States, and you're um, providing those uh, for sale for practices or for others that are interested. Yes, yes. So really, the use of the cards in at the beginning was more for this screening. We had businesses that would use it. The SMU Athletics Department used it. The Girl Scouts used it at their camp, and so people were re- really using that as a screening, especially you know when tests were not as readily available as they yeah. currently are. Um, now we don't have as many people doing the screening part, but as, you know, as we kind of got further along in this process, we realized that actually checking sense of smell in the physician's office is an important thing to do. Even aside from COVID, uh, there's a whole lot of literature about Parkinson's disease and, um, lack of sense of smell. In fact, there's, there's some evidence that, um, the two, the symptom of, Anosmia and constipation can precede other Parkinson's symptoms, sometimes by decades, which is wow. just super interesting. Um, and then I have people that are, are just started using it just as in their general neurologic exam. You know, we always write cranial nerves two through 12 intact. What about cranial nerve one? <laughs> you know? Poor cranial nerve one. We need to check <laughs> <left> it. Out. <laughs> right? Um, and so they're just, you know, and then in addition, things like long COVID can affect your sense of smell and it can be dangerous to not have a sense of smell. You can't smell gas and smoke and things like that, that people, again, they really haven't realized that their sense of smell is diminished because 
it's just, it might have happened over a long period of time or something else. And so I think it's just important part of general health. There's even, there was a study that came out just a few months ago, looking at the relationship between anosmia and all cause mortality, especially in older patients. So um, that it's just kind of a, it, it's a check of just general, your general neurologic symptom system and, um, and general health. So I'm kind of now realizing and trying to promote this idea of doing that as part of the general physical exam, checking sense of smell, just like we check everything else. I like it. Well, and like you said, we don't take our patient's account of hearing. We ask, we actually do a hearing test. And so it were an eye exam. I mean, we do all of those things. That's kind of part of our regular checkup. So why would this be any different? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it has to be something that's really easy to use and inexpensive, I think, for doctors to adopt it, especially in primary care or neurology. Uh, you know, the ENTs, some of them really do some really intense smell checking. You know, there's there's different products out there that check, you know, 30 different scents and take a long time to do. And I think that that's, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a really intensive thing. And, you know, we're not going to do that in a primary care office. Um, and those things are expensive to buy. Our product retails for about a dollar a card, depending mm -hmm. on quantity. And we're seeing reimbursements of, anywhere between 30 to $35 uh, when it gets reimbursed. So we think that's a pretty fantastic ROI. That is a great return. So then <laughs> is that with the uh, billing code, the 92700, or is that with a different code? Yeah, that is with the 92700. And um, that's, from what we've seen, that has been the best billing code, but we're still continuing to collect data um, I have some physicians that are that are doing it again, just a, a particularly one that's at a um, psychiatric hospital and the hospital requires them to check sense of smell and has for years, which was kind of interesting. So it was mm -hmm. the perfect thing. They had been checking sense of smell on all their admissions, but they weren't getting paid for doing that. It was just part of the exam. And so when I told them, oh, you know, I have a way that you can, you know, validate, use a good, you know, validated, nice test to do it and get reimbursed for it. They were pretty excited about it. So they've been using it regularly and they have been sharing their billing data with me. Um, but it's still just, you know, it, it just takes a while to get all the data and to see, um, are there certain ICD-10 codes that are being reimbursed better than others? And that's what I'm still working on is getting all of that information. Because it's such an inexpensive product, it's one mm -hmm. of those things where, you know, certainly the physician doesn't need to tell themselves like, oh, okay, this is where I'm really going to get paid or not paid. It's like, you know, just do it. Okay. If you don't get paid, it was a dollar and it only takes about 30 seconds of your time. So it's not a... It, you know, that's not a huge investment as it is with, you know, other things that you do in your office where it's a big upfront investment and you really don't want to do that if you, if you know, there's a good chance you're not going to get paid. Um, but, you know, I think that just figuring that out of, you know, when, yeah, when's, or, because a lot of times, as we know, those conditions are there, you just didn't code that properly or write that Correct. down. And Correct. so then you're like, okay, no, that was there. I didn't know that was important. I got. I didn't think that about in. that. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. that's half the, the battle of a of a billing team, right? Is to really understand why did we get the denial track and trend denials. So then you can say, okay, we know the denials happen because of X, Y, and Z documentation, 
or we know these denials are happening because it's a bundled code, right? That service is bundled into the ENM service. And so yes. therefore you're not going to get paid separately for it. But if again, you know, half the battle is just understanding those rules and not because you're going to change your practice or what you do because of it, but because you may change your documentations or your expectations around that. And so, right, you know, right. it, that's the name of the game. It's just really understanding so that you can do better at documentation is typically what we see. Or sometimes we'll see a process change in the office that we can help somebody change their workflow, right? So if the office can go in there and change a workflow, then they may be able to have better clean claims and they may be able to avoid denials. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. And I can kind of see the same thing for something like this, you know, I mean, if one physician may decide, oh yes, I want to do this on all of my regular, you know, uh, physicals when people are coming in as a routine, or maybe I only want to use it in these certain age groups, or maybe I'm using it. Um, I mean, to me, it's very useful during cough and colds, um, you know, trying to kind of like, it, it helps me sort of tip the scales. I have a lot of patients that come in and say, well, I don't have COVID. And then they're sniffling and they have various other things. And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes there's this sort of like denial. They're like, well, I don't need a COVID test because I don't have COVID. And so it kind of helps if they fail my safer card that I'm like, you know, maybe there's, maybe we should just go ahead and run a COVID test. And it just, it helps to, you know, give them a little bit more reason. Reason. Like, okay, this is maybe some, something that we should check. Um, so, but, and I do find it just helpful in my practice using it for either to convince the patient or just, you know, as part of like a more complete exam. It's just another tool in the toolbox, right? I mean, again, we're always looking for things to help us identify things, help explain reasons why we're doing things to our patients. So I think that that's, uh, again, just another inexpensive tool to use. So that's, so this is what, so this is what it looks like. Okay. And so it's, so you, you scan that QR code and then you turn it over and there's one cent here. And so you scratch that off on your phone will show up this same pattern. All the cards are different but each card is linked by that QR code with, with this, with, with its unique pattern. So that this will, this shows up on your phone with all those icons. And we did that because we wanted it to be that you could use them over and over again. And people couldn't memorize and say like, Oh, okay. The answer is always lemon when popcorn's in the right hand corner or something. Yes. yes. And so that was kind of part of our, you know, part of the whole security thing. Um, so you, so you scratch that off, you sniff it and then, and then it shows up on your phone and then you just click the answer and click next. And then you either get a green check or a red X. And so it's just, you know, pass, fail, you got it right, you got it wrong. Um, and it it really is that easy as the only thing that would slow you down is if you have a slow internet connection, um, that, that, sometimes it'll make it take like a little bit longer, but really um, like, it's just easy. It's very fast. And then it stays there on your phone. So we, we had that as well so that you could just kind of, you know, click back on there. And then we even have it where, and this was part of the screening that people would do so that if you were walking into a building or whatever, and you got, you got your safer pass, and then that lasts for 24 hours and okay. then it disappears after that. So, um, so again, a little different with the use in the doctor's office, but you now the patient could do it themselves, you know, they're in the waiting room and then they just kind of show you that you got to, mm-hmm. you know, a pass or fail. 
if you think that maybe if they failed, but they just didn't do it right, well, then you could always just repeat it. Again. Right. It's a right. It's a low cost thing. And patients actually really like doing it. It's, it's kind of fun, yeah. you know, as opposed to like going to the doctor and having them poke and prod you with needles and things. This is just something it's, it feels like a little game. Yeah. Um, so, so people really like doing it. So that's, so I just kind of say that, you know, if somebody's trying to put it into their flow, you know, that can be done long before the doctor even comes in the room or, you know, or maybe you have the MA do it, they're doing the rest of the vitals and then they're like, okay. And you know, safe or pass or fail or whatever. So, um, but again, I, what I noticed, you know, the pushback that you just always get, your staff doesn't want one more thing to do, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. you have to have somebody that's really like excited and interested in it. Um, but, you know, and again, like the, my specialist people, they make so much money that, you know, when you're talking about something that's like $35, they're like, yeah, so what? Um, in primary care, $35 is a lot of money. Yeah, 35 uh-huh. times say 10 patients a day, you know, times that adds up. five days a week. I mean, that can that can be a nice addition to the practice. Right, right. If it's something that you don't mind doing, your patients don't mind doing, and you know, and you're getting some good information as well. Well, right. in fact, that when I was telling you about that um behavior hospital where they were doing it. Um, they found multiple cases of COVID where they were just checking it just because they were doing part of their neurologic exam. Oh, they failed this. They sent them for COVID tests and they were COVID positive. How can people contact you? Should they be interested? Um, so on that same email address that I was emailing you with, that's really the best way to get. And what is that email address? So it's um, sdavis at saferdiagnostics.com. Okay, great. And do you have a website? Yes, saferdiagnostics.com. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you missed our metric mastermind last week, feel free to join the waitlist. We're going to do another one here in the fall. And if there are any questions you guys have about your billing metrics or your billing process, feel free to reach out at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. And as always, share with a friend or invite them to the Facebook group, RevMD. MD.